0: Welcome to the Practice Advantage Podcast. I'm Dr. Justin Manning, and here on the podcast, I interview experts from within and outside the eye care industry on the business management topics and advice that matter most to you, your practice, your patience, and your success. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Practice Advantage Podcast. Every day, you and I purchase white-labeled or private label products, whether it's from our hometown grocery store, Kirkland from Costco, and even Amazon's Basics brand. This same opportunity to white label, to use private label product exists for independent eye care practices. To help us understand the power of private label, my guest today is Doug Martin, founding owner of Indie Eyewear, a private label frame line created exclusively For PECA members. Doug has a long history in the eye care industry, growing a small Midwest two-location optometry practice to over 16 locations and 25 doctors. In addition, Doug has previously served as VP of Key Accounts for Hoya and Director of Membership here at PECA. Doug, welcome to the Practice Advantage podcast, and thanks for joining us.
1: Justin, good afternoon, and thank you for having me on the Practice Advantage podcast. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today.
0: Me too. Now, you know, during the intro, I named a number of different private label brands, Kirkland, Amazon Basics, that we use as consumers every single day. Before we look at private label within the eye care industry and and our, our listeners' practice space, what are some of the biggest private labels and why do they play such a big role in our day to day lives?
1: Great question. And let's begin there. I'd like to take the listeners to, I say, 20,000 feet. Let's get a good overview of what's going on. Very simple private label is a proven business strategy. Okay. It's the integration of purchasing, merchandising, marketing, and selling, all done for one company. Okay. The benefits are simply they increase margins and profitability it provides exclusivity differentiation and it gives the business more control over their overall business and if we look at consumers you know going back to say 2010 private label was done cheap, and it was not a good quality product. And consumers always associated quality and private label, and and, you know it was a cheap way of doing something. But that's all changed in the last 10 years as companies figured out they could do massive amounts of highly profitable business. Statistica would tell you today that almost four out of every 10 consumer embraces private label, and nine out of every 10 consumer says they will buy private label. And if we look at the consumer packaged goods industry in America. It's a 635 billion dollar industry. Private labels growing four times faster than branded products. Companies have figured it out. Target, Aldi, all these major retailers have now jumped into it. It's 25% or 160 billion dollars worth of business just done in private label and the consumer goods for there and you know some great examples now if we go from 20,000 down to 10,000 feet Uh, Ikea is a strictly private label brand. They've got 478 locations doing $42 billion. H&M Clothing has over 5,000 locations. It's just one private label. Macy's has 20 private label brands. Today, they do 15% of their business in private label. They wanna grow it to 25% of the revenue. The entire craft beer market that sprung up since 2010 is nothing but private label, and it's now 27% of the overall beer market. And you mentioned Costco because I love to talk about Kirkland Signature. It's it's Kirkland Signature is Costco's private label brand. It's the number one brand, private label brand in America, doing $59 billion worth of business, or 31%. And, and Justin, this was all before inflation hit okay and now inflation's at a 40 year high right inflation's growing 9 to 12% and if you're the ceo of a company or the ceo of a practice how do you grow your bottom line 9 to 12% just to stay even well we can raise prices but that doesn't work in eye care because most of our patients are managed care based and so the co- the reimbursements are contracted we can increase productivity, but generally that requires a capital investment and time, or we can start selling a product that gives us higher margins, exclusivity, differentiation, and better control. So I think those are reasons why we may want to consider
0: private label. Yeah, Doug, you, you said something that was really interesting in from a historical perspective of private label. 2010-ish, if if using the 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 year there that you mentioned private label it was significant but it had this context this perception of being cheap low quality it was low cost but low co- low cost meant low quality what changed or i suppose in you know from our listeners perspective how do we look at communicating private label in the context of now high quality product high quality value but still at a low cost savings.
1: Yeah, and and I absolutely agree. And I think you know I think companies figured out that they were not getting the sales penetration by producing a cheap, poor quality product, even though it might present a greater value. And so you know I'd like to take the listeners down to about seventy five hundred feet now, and let's talk about Costco again, and let's kind of do a little dive into Costco and understand their approach and what makes them unique in the number one. So again, we'll go back to the uh, early 2000s, Costco's expanding into Europe, the CEO is over there, and he's realizing that this private brand concept is doing quite well in the European retailers. So he comes back and he creates Kirkland Signature. And it's a different approach than what was done in the industry at the time. Because at that time, Sears was America's sweetheart in retailing, but Sears had a lot of different private label brands. They had uh, Craftman's tools, they had diehard batteries, they had Kenmore appliances. And so his approach was to create one brand across all product categories. But the other thing he did is he mandated to his vendors, if you wanna sell Kirkland Signature, the product has to be equal to or better than your national brand. From a quality perspective, but offer the consumer a savings of 20%. And those two objectives would seem to be in contrast with each other. But what he knew was in the consumer package industry, 40 to 60% of every dollar is spent on marketing and advertising and packaging. And so by creating this brand, they could strip those costs out, they could greatly reduce them, and they could create a win-win. And so I love to go into Costco today and look at their private label and look at their branded. And it tells you who's making it because they sell branded product and private label from the same company. And if we look at the results, it's been a win, win, win. Uh, Last year, Costco sales increased 18 percent or I'm sorry, 25 percent and private label was up 18 percent profitability was up 25% most of it coming from private label because again it will give you double the margins over branded product so it becomes a win for the consumer better value in the product better price win for the vendor more business more money and a win for Costco with more profitability that's why again it has such the power and the opportunity to impact the business
0: so let's let's take that 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 view of private label and and I What you just shared, I think, helps change perhaps any sort of negative perception we may have about private label because of that high quality, the, the cost savings is not in the product itself and cheapening the product, but the cost savings comes from not having to market it, not having to package it, not having to deal with those components of the entire consumer experience when purchasing a product like that. So taking all of those things into consideration, let's look at eye care. Our listeners, obviously, they're they're consumers, but more importantly, they're eye care professionals. They work in eye care. They they are in this space day in and day out with patients. What areas are what private label exists currently? What are the primary areas in which we're utilizing? private label in eye care? And how how are they actually impacting a practice that's using them? Yeah, it,
1: great question. And, in you know, from my perspective, and again, as you said, I joined the industry in 1999. I've been around for a while. And I would tell you, since the early 2000s, I believe the independent sector, to which I'm very passionate about, obviously is Part of Pekka's director membership, I believe it's been under attack since the early 2000s when the online market came on and the independents were shut out of selling on the online market. and And then we could look at you know the expansion of corporate optometry, the declining or stagnation of reimbursements, and venture capital that's creating acquisition and these national chains and things. So the ECPs were simply put under attack because they owned the lion's share of the patients and the lion's share of revenue, and so. You know, we saw disruptive brands that were creative, like Warby Parker and Hubble Contacts. You know, Warby Parker started in 2010, and now it's a a $600 million company with 178 locations. Hubble, which was created in the contact lens space, and all they're trying to do is disrupt the way eye care and consumers interact. Uh, We can look in the eye care space or the eyewear space, and in the eyewear space, There's a plethora of private label brands out there today that we would call them mainstream brands, very well known. But they were started because someone had an idea and the determination and succeeded in marketing, like Oliver Peoples, Makita, Salt, for examples. Those are all great frame brands, but they started out as private label. And for the independent, it's been very difficult because. It was, a, it was a high risk proposition. I mean, think about it, if you wanted to do private label, you had to find a factory in a foreign country. You had to speak a foreign language or have an interpreter. You had to design the eyewear. You had to buy 300 pieces per style. You had to front the money up. You had to wait 90 days. And then when the product arrived, if it didn't sell, you owned it. And for the average practitioner, that's just way too much risk for their business. So again, they were kind of shut out of this opportunity for that. And, you know, when I was in the retail sector, uh, I saw private label and the benefits when I worked at Neiman Marcus and Macy's. When I ran 16 locations, I could afford to take that risk in private label and private label. I saw the benefits of what it did for our optical and eyewear business. And fundamentally, you know, I believe that the ECPs are actually forced now to buy product through an old antiquated system, a system that's been around for the 50. And if we think about all the technology innovation that's happened in our world over the last 70 years, you have to ask yourself, why hasn't the procurement system for frames changed? And very simply, I think it's because the system benefits the sellers, not the buyers. And if you ever go to Vision Expo and you see three football fields worth of people selling frames, it tells you to follow the money. The margins are in selling of the frames that. So, you know, I think right now the ECPs are at a disadvantage and it's time to kind of change the dynamic, just like Costco did when it changed their marketplace.
0: What have you seen from a private label standpoint in the independent world? I think many of us sort of immediately go to contact lenses and you know, there's a host of private label contact lenses, which are really just a rebrand of and already established existing mainstream lens i think that, that that it's a polarizing topic and i care what would you say to that listener who says yeah that's not not for not for me it's, it's again i think the context that we often go to is the contact lens space but obviously as you shared with us there's so many different private label options what would you say to that somebody who's really not convinced at this point
1: so I, you know, and that's a great question and one that I get obviously asked a lot a lot about, right? You know, why do I believe so strongly in private label? And again, I'll, and I'll tell you, I got a, a lot of different reasons why, and I'm just going to kind of hit you with them now. You know, first of all, I have to ask the question, why, why is I care any different than any other industry, right? If, if private label is a proven success a multi-billion dollar proven success that gives a company greater margins, profitability, exclusivity, differentiation, and more control. Why wouldn't we want that in our own practices? Second of all, when I ran a practice, you know, 86% of my patient base was managed care. Managed care drives all sorts of people through the front door, frontline workers to uh, top line executives, people that have different social economic needs. So as a business, I needed to have a good, better, best approach. I wanted to sell something to everybody, but I also had the obligation to be profitable so I'd be here next year to take care of them. So, consumers coming in the door want that, want different levels of product and opportunity. When we looked at the research and thinking about putting this together, our friends at Exotica, when they launched eyeglasses.com in 2000, they released a report. It's called the Consumer Decision Journey Research Report. Your listeners can find it on the internet like I did. But in that report, what their findings were for every three patients walking in the door, one is brand conscious and two are not brand conscious. The two that are not brand conscious, they want a frame that looks good, that is priced right. Makes sense. I looked at another study out of Austin, Texas, from a company called MBI Marketing. MBI Marketing looked at millennials. Millennials are an interesting uh, demographic because now they represent the purchasing power of the United States. They passed my generation in 2017. They are the economic engine of that. And they looked at 1,000 millennials making $80,000 or more a year. The top 47 eyewear brands out there, of the top 47, only eight, had a consumer recognition higher than 10%. So 39 brands had less than 10% consumer recognition. So the millennials don't know the brands and two out of three patients walking in the door don't care about the brands. Let's talk about the um, independence overall. As a practice, we spend a lot of time talking about the patient experience, right? And how do we improve the patient experience? Well, As the doctor, the doctor is the most exclusive thing a practice has to offer. I can't get the care from Dr. Manning anywhere but from Dr. Manning. And Dr. Manning makes an investment in the technology, and that's a differentiator, because his technology is going to give me the overall best eye exam I can. And his staff is going to give me superior service. That's going to be a differentiator in the marketplace. So why shouldn't the optical also be a differentiator? If I go to the optical and I can find the products that are available in commercial optometry and other places, then there's no differentiation. There's no reason for me to shop there. And coincidentally, that's exactly what's been going on the last 10 years. Our capture rates have been declining and the online market's been succeeding. So it's a self defeating strategy if we keep doing that. And, you know, as I said, go to Vision Expo and see the three football fields of people selling frames and just know that the ECPs are currently buying a lot of private label. And we know the benefits of private label are margin and profitability. Let's quit giving our money to our competition. Let's start helping ourselves. And finally, what I would say is, you know, I've been in retail, I've been in optical, PECA, this is Indie Eyewear by PECA. This is our private brand. We know the cheap doesn't help anybody. You know, we we like Costco want to give you a high quality product that's a differentiator that you can use many different ways. And so, as I say, Costco wouldn't put their name on the Kirkland Signature. Pekka wouldn't put its name on Eyewear if it wasn't high quality product that is a differentiator that's good for the practice.
0: I think that's perfect. So for a listener who may be considering a private label frame line, like obviously Indie Eyewear, which is, is by PECA exclusively for PECA members, what do they need to consider when they implement private a private label frame line? And what are the, the I suppose, the key steps to success to make sure that they are, to, as everything that you've shared, are maximizing their profitability, maximizing the quality of the patient experience when it comes to private label frames?
1: Great question. And, you know, one, we, again, we spent a lot of time putting this program together. And so hopefully I can give you a concise, easy answer for people to go through the due diligence process and then the implement implementation process, if it makes sense to them. Okay. So let's go back very simply. We believe ECPs are under attack. We created this program to help them compete in the marketplace and to help them fight inflation. We beta tested it in 14 offices. We launched it nationally June of last year, June of 2021. It's high quality eyewear, it's grade A acetate. Acetate comes in A, B's and C's. A's is what every major frame company uses, B's what Warby uses, C's what Zenni uses. Okay, we only use grade A acetate, we use titanium, we use the same components that every major frame company does. It's a direct from factory program. So we've changed the dynamics, we leveraged our size, changed the logistics, dropped cost, by 70 to 80% because we're direct from factory. These are classic conservative styles, styles that are gonna sell timelessly. As we like to say, think of indie eyewear like navy blazers and blue jeans or that little black cocktail dress, something that's just timeless from a fashion point of view. As we've said, exclusivity, high quality, cost of goods savings of 70 to 80%. Remember, can't be shopped online because it can only be sold to PECA members. It's PECA's private brand, and it carries a one-year manufacturer warranty, just like every other frame company. And what we've learned is they're using the program basically three ways. First, they use it as for that patient who only wants what's covered under their insurance program, which we all know is out there. It was about a third of my business. They use it for that program to offset that. We're listed in frame facts. We're listed in frame data. You're going to maximize your reimbursement against a comparable branded frame. You're going to make about 75% more money. That's a huge win in the reimbursement managed care market. Second is we see it used as the long margin play, as we talked about. Uh, most of the practices are selling the product between 2 and $240, which is about a 9x markup versus a traditional d- 3x markup. And then last, some practices have a problem with the walking RX, that the senior patient is taking that frame, that RX, and they want to go to Costco or Walmart because of perceived value. So they're packaging, they're putting some value packages together using indie eyewear and a lens, they're edging it in house and they're saving. I've got one practice here in Zionsville, Indiana that tells me they're saving 20 RXs a month now by utilizing the product this way. So again, we can help you think through this, we can help position it for you, uh, whatever is important. But really what I want the uh, listeners to understand is don't buy the frame line, buy the concept. The concept is, You got to change. You got to innovate. The average practitioner, which sells 2,400 frames a year, is going to make about $50,000 more in their optical and about $300,000 more in their EBITDA. And that's really how we can help members at a time when they need it because they're under attack.
0: Man, Doug, I can't think of any better way to finish. That was fantastic. And, and I think extremely powerful, as we, t- as we said in the intro, the power of private label and independent practice. And I think it is such a significant opportunity for our listeners. Doug, we always wrap up our Practice Advantage podcast with the same question. We believe that leaders are readers. What are you currently reading?
1: Justin, if I'm not here talking to you on the podcast, I'd probably be at the golf course. So uh, given that there's a little bit of turmoil in the world of golf, I'm going to go back and reread a book called The First Major. It's the 2016 Ryder Cup when America was getting its butt kicked by the Europeans, and it's uh, how Paul Azinger and his team uh, pulled that victory off. So I look forward to uh, a little leisure time uh, with the golf book.
0: Uh, I will put a link to that in the show notes. Doug, thanks again.
1: Thank you for your time today.
0: If you've enjoyed the Practice Advantage podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. And if you want to take your practice to the next level for the sake of your patience, your team, your community, and your bottom line, give us a call. 1-800-959-2020, option three. See you next time.